0: get connected with us uh, as well. Well, as you're uh, thinking about our week two of our series, Summer School, take your Bible if you would with me and turn to James chapter three. As you're turning to James chapter three, just put a put a, put a finger in that. Uh, this week, let uh, me we have a little sermon before the sermon, this week has been uh, really a monumental week as the Supreme Court uh, has made a decision uh, about Roe v. Ro- 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 Wade. And so I just want to take a minute to give a little thought a few thoughts from a, just a pastoral perspective. First just a reminder that that as a church that we support life from conception through the grave with an eye to eternal life, the life that we know that we can find in Christ that transcends this world. Uh, at the same time we also recognize that we live in a world filled with people, good people. Good people who are not our enemies that have A different perspective on all that has transpired this weekend. And I'm sure that uh, in this room, that there, as we think about a spectrum of, uh, you know, on on that subject of life, there's, you know, people kind of fall on whatever the spectrum is, and that even in this room, uh, you might be a little different, you know, perspective, a little different place on that, on that spectrum here today. And also just recognize that you may be here today And not only, you maybe have a different perspective, but just the recognition today that we just should pause and just note that um, there are individuals, you're here or online, and you've been touched by abortion. And on a weekend like this, you feel the sting of all of that. And I just want to remind you from our God that he loves you, that he cares for you that he's for you, and that this church is for you. That we sense today, all of us, that we have a God of grace and compassion. This nation, this weekend, uh, is a nation divided. Divided between those who are weeping and those who are rejoicing and those who are somewhere in between. And yet for us as a church, this is a chance for us to be a community that loves well. That's a community that is filled with truth and grace. It's a chance for us to not just be merely a church that talks about um, a life, that lives in this land of talk, but that we are a church that is constantly looking to be a church that operates in the land of do. So I just want us to take, I want to challenge us to take this opportunity to lean into and prayerfully consider how can we support individuals and families that are choosing life and to choose life that creates for them, that creates for them difficulties and hurdles that most of us have never had to even consider, but that we acknowledge that and we think about how we can help and how we can come alongside. And so, as a church, from food security and helping with those issues for vulnerable families, to transportation issues that might come up, to increased financial and volunteer support of a place like Life Plan that's on the front lines of helping expectant mothers and fathers to navigate through what is just for them a very difficult time with a variety of services and resources, to conversations about how we as a church can support families that are wanting to foster or adopt children. We must live in the land of dew we must do our part to ensure that children have a chance all of them to live in a healthy loving family and i don't know what that looks like exactly for us as we continue to listen to our god and understand how we can best glorify him along this spectrum in this on this issue but i know that we cannot stop with talking We're a church that has a vision to restore God's ideal. And restoring God's ideal will get messy and will take work. I pro-life is more than rhetoric, more than politics. So let's make sure that we are working and praying about how we flesh out theology that embraces truth. That, as Scripture says, that we are knit together in our mother's womb, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are a people of prayer, and our nation needs prayer. So Heavenly Father, God, today as we gather in this space, on what is a significant moment as a nation, God, we pause to acknowledge you, to know God, and just to remind ourselves, God, that you are sovereign, that you are our God, that you love us, that you care about us, you care about us. And God, remind us that, 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 that there are people that have different opinions and different thoughts on this issue, and they are absolutely not the enemy. But I pray, Father, that you would help us to see and remem- remember that we do have an enemy, and it's not the people around us. But, Father... The enemy that we have is, a, is, a, is, a, is, is Satan whose job is, whose ideas about us is, how can I destroy, how can I, how can I prowl around and, and destroy those that God loves? And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us to just rem- remember who's who in this debate as it rages. Father, I pray for families and individuals that are struggling. For the, those that are hurting this weekend, that when this debate and this comes back up, it just brings up just these painful memories and issues. And I pray, God, that you would remind them that you love them, that you care for them. You are here for them. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be a church that, that stands with life, that helps God and, and doesn't just have this rhetoric, Father, but God, that we do what we can to, to come alongside and, and, and help in and practical practical tangible ways father help us to be people of light to be people of not just truth but truth and grace and love and compassion and long suffering god help us to be that and god i pray for healing of our nation you would help us to find that path forward help us god help us to be the people that you want us to be that will glorify you and honor you in how we act and interact in this world in light of all that's going on. We need you to do that. We do not have the wisdom that we need on our own. Give us that wisdom, and we pray in Christ's name, amen. Again, take your Bible as we transition then into what is week two of this series, uh, summer school. A uh, Summer school, uh, I'm sure, you know, some of you probably went to summer school. It's that time that, that we just are reminded of what, Uh, Maybe some things that we didn't quite get, things that we forgot, things that we need to make sure that we understand as we move forward. Uh, And so, um, as we think about that, the thing that we want to talk about today as we think about uh, this summer school idea is the idea of the power of the tongue. We learned last week how important it is to tend to our souls. And there are important foundational truths as we are tending to our souls We're trying to grow in our faith, put into practice the truth that we find in Scripture, what it means to follow Jesus. There is truth that that we need to follow, and the tongue is of uh, just epic (laughs) importance for us. It's really an indication of what's going on in our heart. What comes out of our mouths and through our words is an indication Scripture tells us. And, And that what comes out of our mouths is not just something that impacts our own lives, but it impacts the lives of those around us. It has the power to build up or the power to destroy. We've all heard that children's rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. And how many of us totally, absolutely understand the lie that is in that children's rhyme because words absolutely hurt and they absolutely destroy and there's absolutely power in them. I think of this world that we live in, in this post-COVID pandemic social media informed world, world that it's where it seems like all of the filters of civility have been stripped away and we just are crazy in our verbiage and the way that we talk and the way that we interact in our world. And we're just reminded that if we want to glorify God and, and live well in this world and represent him well in the world, this world, that it matters how we speak. It matters how we talk. And I think if we were, everybody, if you would, pull your grade card out. And if you pull out your report card on this issue, in this class, if we look, if we look close enough, all of us have received an F when it comes to the way that we talk, the words that we use, the tone that we've used with those words. All of us have work to do. All of us have not got stellar grades in this particular area. We need to acknowledge that up front and all understand that this is a class that we all need here in summer school. Listen to the, the writer of Proverbs when it's written in Proverbs 21 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Now, the The uh, translators there in the ESV that I just read from, that word in the original language is a word that in the NIV, the New American Standard, the the New King James, all of them uh, translate that word that the ESV says to keep. Whoever keeps his mouth, whoever uh, in his tongue keeps himself out of trouble, that word keeps has that idea of guarding. It's the idea of like a guard dog or a security guard. In other words, whoever guards their mouth and guards their tongue, keeps themselves out of trouble. We've all seen people, and we've all been people that our guard of our tongue has gotten a little lax on the job, gotten a little lazy, and we've said things, we've, 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 uh, uh, the tone that we've said, the way we've said things, we have let that guard down, and it's gotten us into trouble. So again, just acknowledge it. All of us have some F's in this particular class. And so there's some great truth that I think will be helpful for us in our class today. The professor that's going to help us in our summer, summer school today is none other, than, none other than the brother of Jesus himself, James. In James chapter 3, listen to what he says to us, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. You know, in those first few verses, James is just reminding us of the power of the tongue reminding us of the power of our words warning us that that if you are one that regularly is giving out words you're regularly one that's teaching others that your words matter that you're going to you're going to deal with some greater scrutiny because you're someone that 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 teaches others idle words matter in other words make sure there is truth that's coming out truth and grace that's coming out of your of your out of your mouth he reminds us in verse 2 that we all stumble, that we all make mistakes, and probably, oh, what an understatement, the place where we stumble, we mess up, we make mistakes, we blow it, uh, and downright sin the most is in this area probably of our tongue. But what does he say? The perfect person, you could translate that word perfect, also mature, the mature person is the one who has, a, has control of their tongue. And and this is really an interesting thing that he says, that if you have control of your tongue, if you're able to do that, what does he say? And We need to let it sink in that if we can control our tongue, we can control our whole body. The rest of our lives can be controlled if we can get our tongue under control. There is power in our tongue, power to hurt and power to heal. If you take a note, that'd be a good thing to remember. Our words have power, power to hurt, power to heal. So I want you to just think about for a moment, think about it in your own life. When was a time that that it was the right, it was just the right moment, just the right situation, and someone said just the right word, and that word for you brought life and healing. On the other hand, I think we've all been in those situations where maybe we're interacting with someone talking, and we, the guard kind of left his post for a moment, and we said something that maybe inadvertent, maybe we didn't mean it or mean to say it come out the way it, it did, but it did and it landed hard. And you can see as it landed on that person, those words, that tone, how they were just destroyed. Our words have the power to hurt and the power to heal, the power to bring life and the power to bring destruction. Proverbs 15, 4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Perverseness in our tongue breaks the spirit. I still remember where I was. Um, I was doing an internship in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I was 18 years old. And I, for the first time, was given responsibility for a small group of teenagers. I was the youth pastor for the summer, and I'm teaching this class of, of this small group of teens. And I still remember where I was standing and where the girl was. Uh, leader, uh, an older, one of the older teens uh, in the group. And as I'm teaching, she just uh, interrupts me and says, you know, you're the worst youth pastor ever. And as an 18-year-old, you know, trying to figure out this call that I, had, I felt like I had on my life, I was devastated by that. Or I remember as a young 29-year-old senior pastor for the first time, young, excited, very green. I remember one of the senior saints of the church, and she would sit like in the first or second row to my right. and. Uh, as I would preach, she was there. She was faithful. She was, you know, uh, you know uh, she called one day and the secretary puts her through. And I'm thinking, you know, what is this bastion of holiness? What is this saint of God, this, this woman that has lived all of these years as a follower, a dedicated follower of Jesus? What, what truth, what encouragement does she have to bring to me, this, her young pastor today, for 45 minutes? She berated me, and literally, the 70-year-old lady telling me that I was the absolute worst pastor she had ever in all her years had. I still remember those moments. If I hadn't been very sure of my calling, I don't know that I would have made it. At the same time, I remember when. I remember being on a trip and we were sharing a room and the senior pastor at the church where I was serving as youth pastor had left and the church had looked around for quite a long time for a pastor and there were people that had asked me along the way if I was interested in that this and that and I just kind of pushed off those questions and I was talking to this guy when he was actually a member of the board and he asked me the question what I thought about that and I said well I don't know at my age and Whatever. I, I don't know that anybody would follow me. And I remember when saying to this young kid, You know, David, if uh, you were a pastor, I would follow you. He told me, You know, there's a lot of people in this church that if you were the pastor, they would love to follow you. He spoke life at a time that I so needed that encouragement our words have the power to heal or to hurt if we go back to James when he has to teach us he says in verse 3 if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us we guide their whole bodies as well look at ships also though they are so large and are driven by strong winds they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs so also the tongue is a small member yet it boasts of great things How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. James points out and helps to illustrate for us the power of the tongue through illustration, through metaphor. Good communicators use illustration, use metaphor. And if one's great, three must be amazing. And so James uses three different pictures for us. I don't know anybody, a uh, experienced rider of horses. Anybody really know what you're doing when it comes to horses? I don't know that we have to be an experienced writer to get how a bit works in a, uh, Scott, I see the hand. Yeah. Um, uh, We don't have to be an experienced writer to know that a bit, how a bit in a horse's mouth works. This small bit that can be used to control this massive, this powerful animal. You control its direction with the bit Or or the rudder of a ship, a massive ship still controlled by this very, very small rudder. And so when you control the rudder, when you control the bit, you control the direction of the ship, you control the horse. In the same way, that's the way our tongue works. There are words that are formed with this very small part of our body, but it has the power to give direction in our lives. And even as we speak into other and over other people's lives, it has the power to chart the direction of their lives and to impact that. So, again, another thing to remember today as we think about what James is teaching us, our professor today, our words impact the direction of our lives and of others' lives. Think about the person who struggles with their tongue, who struggles with their words, how it impacts them. Whether that's the person at work that gets passed over for the promotion because they just have not ever quite gotten the ability to control their tongue or the, the person who has just a, just a litany of different relational issues and baggage along the way because of the ability or not having the ability to, to, to correct or to control their tongue and so it's charted the direction of their relationships? Or what about the parent who hasn't learned how to correctly speak to their child and uses what is maybe not physical abuse but is verbal abuse and how it has impacted the direction of that child's life and maybe that's you and you still feel the sting as you think about it your parents words and how that impacted the direction of your life again it can impact our own lives and it can impact the people around us some of you probably remember me telling the story of when I was a teenager my beloved youth pastor had moved away And uh, I was bummed. I was upset. He had been so influential in my life. And he wrote me a letter. Uh, If you don't know what that is, it's like an email on paper. Okay? Some of you haven't gotten a letter in a long time. Um, But it's like an email on paper. And it gets delivered to your house. It's super cool. It's really fun when you get one of those. And so he sent me a letter in the mail. And I read it. And at the bottom of the letter, there was a P.S. And at the bottom of that, P.S., he said this, you know, someday, David, you would make a great youth pastor. I had never considered that. I'd never thought of that. I'd never thought of ministry. I'd never thought that I could do anything like that. I can still tell you where I was that day that I was at my dad's office, 807 West D. Young, standing in what was the front office of his office. He was an insurance salesman, and I cleaned the office. It was my job in high school. And I'm standing there in the front office, and my dad had gone to the post office, gotten the mail, and he brings me this letter, and he hands it to me, and I pause what I was doing, cleaning the office, and I open that letter, and I, I still remember standing there reading those life-giving, direction-influencing words that have absolutely impacted, charted, helped to chart the course of my life. Years later, I ran into him and I just thanked him for that letter and I just said hey thanks for the encouragement that you gave me that little letter you wrote me that ps that you that you sent me and and cam said what I don't even remember doing that <laughs> So, I don't know if he was actually talking to some other kid and sent the, the, the letter to the wrong person, but whatever, God used. Uh, and I don't know really, I was thinking about that. What does that actually mean that, I hadn't, hadn't really occurred to me to the last service when I said that. And uh, like, what does that mean that he doesn't remember, that mean he didn't mean to? Anyway, so, I'll have to process that later. May have just ruined my whole life, I don't know. Um, his words had power. They impact the direction of my life. And that's that's what our words can do, that we can help people, impact people, help chart the course in people's lives. Our words have power. There's another point our professor makes for us. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison i love animals crystal i really enjoy zoos when we're on vacation somewhere if there's a zoo we love going to zoo we love watching animal planet uh dr pole any dr pole fans love me some dr pole how about anybody old enough to watch uh, mutual of omaha's wild kingdom what was that guy's name that yeah i forget marlon perkins yeah, okay. Um, uh, just love that show. Anybody also grieved uh, at what happened to Steve Irwin by the stingray, uh, the leader of the Australian zoo and you know, all that? So Chris and I have found this new zoo show. And it's really interesting as you watch it, all of the wild animals that the, the trainers, the zookeepers, the veterinarians that work at this zoo, what they've, how they've trained them to actually respond uh, to the— even though they're wild animals— they still have learned certain things that help in their treatment, like an elephant that puts his foot up to get whatever, or the, the, the sloth bear we were watching last night that comes up against the, the, the cage and so they can give it the shot that it needs, or the, the you know, the giraffes that let you let them check it for, the, it's like pregnant, and so they do the ultrasound and it stands there because they there's, even a wild animal can be trained. And that's what James says. But no human being can tame tame the tongue. All of us have failed at holding our tongue, of biting our tongue. We've all regretted what we've said, and we've all regretted how we've said it. I used to tell the boys all the time you know, tone matters. If you were to ask them probably what one of their dad's favorite quotes, the thing that I said over and over and over again, tone, watch your tone, tone matters. As we think about that, we think about as we strive to be more Christ-like, that we need to just acknowledge our inability on our own to control our behavior and certainly to control our tongue. None of us, James says, can control our tongue. Uh, there's some behavioral modification things that we might be able to do. We've, all, we've probably heard uh, a lot of those, you know, things like the little tricks that we might do, like count to 10 for really getting feeling ourselves getting worked up, count to 10 before we respond. That's a good one. Or about the one where uh, make sure you use I messages. You know, don't point fingers, don't say you all the time, but this is how it impacts me. Use I messages. Or how about this, when we get that email and we just are going to fire the email back because of what the person says to make sure that we pause and don't send an email back in haste, but write the email and then walk away for a couple hours, then come back, reread it when we're chillaxed a little bit, and maybe let somebody read it for us and and, and let them speak into, is this too harsh, is this okay, before we hit the send button. But Again, we can read self-help books or listen to podcasters and get all manner of help, and they can be great, and we should do that, but it's not the entire answer. Tips and tricks are not enough, because as James says, no human can control the tongue. It cannot be tamed. Behavior modification is not enough. But there's good news. And the good news is that we have help, and God has told us that we can have help. Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but this is good news for you because I'm going to leave someone that's going to help you. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. And as we come to a place of total surrender, of submitting our will to God, of, of embracing Christ as our Lord and Savior, and seeking help beyond ourselves, no human can do it, but we, with God's help, can power of the Holy Spirit alive in us. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and he said, be filled with the Spirit and that idea of that continual need that we have beyond our own strength, not simply behavior modification techniques. Controlling our tongue will take more than knowing the latest trips, tips from the self-help books. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need God's help. There's one more important point that James makes. And with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people and are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring bring forth the same opening, the same, from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And we've all seen it and we've all done it where we have been in one moment so kind and so helpful and so loving, and then whatever happened, whatever flip uh, switch gets flipped, and all of a sudden we're spewing something very different. Words that wound and scar. It can happen in our homes. It can happen in our jobs. It can happen on social media. James reminds us that the truth is that that often happens and when that happens, it's a reflection of what's going on in us. Our words reflect our heart. And then he makes the point, yeah, our words reflect our heart, and it shouldn't be that way. That, that blessings and cursing shouldn't come out of the same source, from the same mouth. It shouldn't be that way. He goes on to say, in nature, springs produce, don't produce both Fresh water and salt water. Fig trees don't produce olives. Grape vines don't produce figs. Salty ponds don't produce fresh water. James is challenging us. And in nature, that doesn't happen. And in your life, it shouldn't either. He's challenging us to be a a source that produces life and hope and love and not death. Because our words reflect our heart. And if we're followers of Jesus living in total surrender to the Father living surrendered to the Holy Spirit, living empowered lives. What should flow out of our heart is what's going on in us. And we should not have these big swings of of what comes out of our mouths. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. But what comes out of our mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, And just as we talked about last week, we are keepers of our hearts. We are keepers of our soul. And the condition of our soul is on display by what comes out of our mouths. And we can't fake it forever. What is actually going on in us will eventually come out. It's another great reminder that we need to take tending to our soul seriously. Proverbs 4, 23, keep your heart with all vigilance, For from it flows springs of life. And if you missed last week, what I was referring to, that being a keeper of your soul, it's in the last five minutes of last week's sermon. It's from Ortberg's prologue in his book, Soul Keeping. And he tells the story, and I encourage you to go back and and listen to that from last week. But he talks about how important soul keeping is. And he uses this illustration of this guy that's the tender of the spring and when the guy that doesn't tend the spring any longer, it becomes rancid and horrible the spring does, we need to make sure that we are paying attention to the spring. The spring is our soul, and we are the tenders of our spring. And so part of what we need God's help is, help with is that he would help us to understand what's amiss, and how how are our words falling, and how are we impacting others, and what do we need to do? Do we need to confess something, repent of something, maybe surrender something? We could pray this prayer from the psalmist in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there is any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So, God, help me to know. Help me to to understand what's in my heart. Knowing that I can't just rely on self-help books or podcasters. God, we need your help. Help me understand. Help me to reconcile what is in here to what comes out here. God, help me to pay attention to my soul. So as we conclude, since it's summer school, I want to give us one little extra credit. And even though this extra credit point is not, we don't find it directly In the text, we find it that it's related to what we're talking about today. And it's this. Here's your extra credit today. We need to make sure that we apply this truth, the truth that we talked about today, all that James is talking about today, to make sure that we apply this truth with the person that we talk to the most. So I want you to think about who is the person that you talk to the most. And the person that you talk to the most, it's not your coworker. It's not your kids. It's not even your spouse. The person you talk to the most is yourself. And so make sure that you apply what we've talked about today in these critical conversations that we have with ourselves. We have this running commentary through the day where we're talking to ourselves. And a lot of times it's destructive and it's negative and it's debilitating it's it's as we talk to ourselves about our lives, and instead, I would I would recommend that we find some truth in God's word. We find some find and just just be remind ourselves what God says to us, what God says about us. Maybe write that on a postcard and put it somewhere. And when we start in on you're, you're dumb, you're, you can't do it, you you don't have the ability. There you blew it again. God doesn't love you. You'll never be worth anything. Whatever it is, whatever's on the record that is replaying over and, you know, right? Some of you know what record is. Uh, what is playing over and over and over, that broken record that just plays the same thing over and over and over again to replace that with some truth, the truth of how God looks at you and how he's for you and he loves you. There's a great book I've been reading lately and encourage you to or listening to it. I encourage you to listen to it too. Uh, John Acuff, Brother in Christ, he wrote the book Soundtracks. Uh, The Surprising Solution to Overthinking. We don't have time to get into some of the other stuff from that, but just know your extra credit. Make sure to apply what we talked about today to yourself. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. Here's the thing about uh, summer school. We don't want to just learn random things so that we can pass some written test we want to make sure that we're applying it to our lives and to focus on application and again what we say around here a lot we don't want to just hang out in the land of talk but we want to focus in the land of do and so what's God asking you to apply as we talk about our tongue as we're reminded of the power of our words to heal or to hurt as we're reminded of the impact that our words can have on the direction of our own life but also the direction as we're speaking into other people's lives To be reminded that behavior modification is not enough. We can't do it by ourselves. That we need a power, a help beyond ourselves. And that maybe today what we need is to surrender totally our lives and ask for God's help, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Our words reflect our heart. Words that hurt and words that bring death shouldn't flow out of our mouths. And we need God's help. We need God's help as we talk to others and we need God's help as we talk to ourselves. And the place that all of us need to start with is our relationship with Jesus to get his help. And so if you've never made that decision to invite Christ to be your Lord and your savior, let it start with what he says about you, that he loves you, that he sent, God sent his son to die, that you could have life. And so today, if you'd like to have that relationship with Christ, I'd encourage you to text that word Jesus to 269-231-8692, I wanna pray for us. How is God speaking to you today? Would you stand with me? And as you stand with me to just think about the question, answering the question, God, what are you saying to me? Is there maybe some conviction that he's bringing, something you need to confess, something you need to repent of today when it comes to your mouth, comes to your tongue? Do you need to maybe totally surrender because you've been trying to do it on your own, control your tongue, and that does not work? Maybe to say, God, I, I, I need your help. And so an absolute, total surrender and asking for God to do what only He can do by the power of the Holy Spirit alive in us as we surrender our lives. Or maybe God is prompting you, someone that you've hurt, that has felt the sting of your words, that you reconcile, forgive, or be, maybe be forgiven. So Father, I don't know what you're doing in lives, God, that's between you and them, and as the Spirit moves. But pray, Father, that you would speak to us that your words would ring true in our spirit and our hearts, God, that you would help us to understand what that's saying to you. God, for the first time, I want to embrace your son as my Savior. And that's the words that we're speaking to you as we pray. God, yes, I repent. I embrace Christ as my Lord, my Savior. Or maybe there's someone here today, and there's just a lot of stuff that they're, they just need to repent to you. Times when, as we all have, this that I've blown it and to say that we're sorry. God, I pray that you would work in hearts and lives. And Father, for that person that is today wanting to to go take that deeper step of an absolute surrender and asking God for the power of the Holy Spirit alive in them, I pray, Father, that you would answer that prayer and to help them, God, to have some continuity between what's in their heart and then what comes out of their lips. We pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. Continue to speak to us now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.